Hi everyone, I'm Andrew. I'm Marn. This is the Argonauts Podcast. Every two weeks, I'm going to go in and fail to solve an ARG, and Marn's going to tell me what I should have done instead. Yeah, this week we are covering uh, part two of the Bioshock There is Something in the Sea ARG, which was to market Bioshock 2. To kick things off this week, I think that we're going to go into a uh, brief recap of what we talked about in part one, and then we'll break our way down to part two. Sound good to you, Marn? Yeah, so we're in the middle of phase two right now. So we did phase one and the first half of phase two. Yeah, so phase one and the game as a whole is about a guy named Mark Meltzer. Um, Mark is a guy who was getting increasingly worried about a string of disappearances of young girls that was taking place uh, along the coastline of um, kind of the European coastline. Uh, It was... Phase one was tracking a large map that showed um, a bunch of disappearances happening all throughout 1967, I think, if I'm nailing that year. I Um, think it's 67. Yeah, that sounds right. (laughs) All right. Um, A bunch of disappearances traveling along in 1967. uh, And then he tracks this whatever is happening to the U.S. And he's getting increasingly worried about it. We don't necessarily know why. Uh, He is talking with his photographer friend, Jeremiah Lynch. Uh, who kind of put him onto the story and he thought was a kook at first, but uh, turns out he's got uh, he's got a good hunch. Um, eventually, Mark gets attacked uh, and his daughter gets kidnapped. Turns out uh, he has a daughter that looks about the same as the girls that are getting kidnapped, and that's why he's been worried the whole time. Um, the attacker was described as someone wearing a giant diving bell uh, costume with a weird sword arm. Um and people are getting increasingly worried. Um, part one's pretty simple. It wraps up with just that. Uh, he goes, he gets attacked by the thing, and his daughter gets kidnapped. And phase two picks up, um, where we are now uh, like six months later. Um, he has been discharged from the hospital with a, a broken leg and a broken back, I think. Um, he's been. Uh, his wife has divorced him, his daughter's been kidnapped, uh, and he is increasingly worried about trying to solve this mystery. Um, he is going through a bunch of different ways to try and solve it, and eventually is put into contact with some things left behind by an author named Oren Oscar Lutwidge, uh, who was a um, an eccentric man who wrote a lot of books and ciphers and designed puzzle boxes. Um, he, uh, Mark stumbles into a building where he finds a puzzle box left behind by this guy, um, He keeps solving it. I think that we are like two puzzles deep into that puzzle box at the point that we cut off. Um, Um, Yes, there's two separate puzzle boxes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Yeah. Two separate puzzle boxes, but one of them had like a nesting doll of puzzle boxes inside it. They both do. (laughs) They both do. Okay. It's I'm a little hazy from last week. Uh, A lot of weird puzzles, um, all stemming from this guy who it turns out owned a steel company um and it seems like uh, actually let me jump back a little bit um that are all coming from this author um meanwhile as mark is trying to solve what happened to his daughter he's stumbling onto more and more uh parts of a conspiracy theory that people believe about a large group of uh businessmen and women and um inventors and scientists and doctors who've all gone missing Um, A lot of people think that they are abducted by aliens or sent to Shangri-La or the Russians uh, did it and took all of them uh, while the Russians think that the Americans did it. Um, 
and we have played Bioshock, so we know that they're all underwater in the city of Rapture. But Mark lives in 1967, where Bioshock doesn't exist. He has no idea, but my prediction is that he's about to stumble into it. Does that about wrap up where we are? Yes. He also finds out that uh, Letwidge was business partners with Andrew Ryan, who we know from Bioshock, who built Rapture, and uh, gave him a lot of the, like, metal parts and bits and pieces used to build Rapture. But that may or may not end up being important. (laughs) Yeah, Mark is on the trail of uh, Lutwidge because, or uh, Mark is on the trail of Ryan, who apparently backed out of a deal for his yarn company. Uh, Why Andrew Ryan's yarn company needed that much uh, building material and steel, he's about to find out. I guess, yeah, well, yarn companies use a lot of, uh, a lot of steel. Not enough to build a giant ocean city, Marn. (laughs) Um, yeah, there's also a couple other characters. There's the cop who's investigating the disappearance of Mark's daughter, who thinks that Mark did it. Uh, there's his French contact, who is believed that everyone who went to Rapture got sent to Shangri-La. Um, but she is no longer looking into it, and she kind of encourages Mark to do the same, and I think that might be it. There's a lot of characters in this ARG. There's his ex-wife. I don't know if she's important. Oh, yeah. His ex-wife is, like, around. (laughs) She's not really a character. She's just, like, his ex-wife. ex-wife in an ARG. I get it, Mark. Oh, and there's his, um, he has, Mark has a contact in the, um like naval investigation office okay and then he also has one who's like a ufo uh researcher and i get (laughs) those two mixed up constantly (laughs) because they're both just like guys with no personality who send mark information when it's convenient to the plot (laughs) hey i'm john here's your info dump oh so yeah last time we left off when the second puzzle box uh the player solved the second level of it which was a piano puzzle um and mark got a message from his friend jeremiah lynch uh singing drunken sailor and they were like oh we have to play drunken sailor on this piano puzzle um and doing that i think what happened when they did that was our cliffhanger last time, but doing that opened up a second level of the first metal puzzle box that they got. (laughs) Um, So, which... What puzzle boxes are currently in play? There was a puzzle box that had, like, a piano cipher on the front. We've just opened that one. Yes, they've just solved that. Um, And solving that do you remember the metal box where they had, like, to slide the tiles around on the front? Yes, the one that looked like a doctor's waiting room toy. Yeah. So solving the piano puzzle opened up a second level of puzzle inside that box. Um, And it was a, like, a keypad that was a 4x4 four four grid of cipher characters. Um, and I can send you a picture of it, actually. Oh, okay, yeah. So just, yeah, like a keypad, but not for any actual things. Um, and 
pressing any two letters uh, causes them to light up green and a red cipher symbol appears in the little bar to the side of the grid. Um, And if you incorrectly fill the bar up with the wrong cipher symbols, you get a recording of Letwidge saying a riddle. Which is this riddle. Great. When to rapture's depths the seeker doth descend, through a pane of glass he'll see my glassy head. Two eyes watch my fore, like Janus I do spy, I see both fore and aft with ideas hyper-wide. The Greeks would say that I have feet on either side, I camouflage myself by showing what's inside. Like an Englishman, my children I do lug, in a cartridge that I cram, I push them with a shrug. A barrel is my home, with squirts inside its walls, my eggs are set like jewels within its crystal hall. Now if you learn my name, you'll know how deep to sink. Seek where rapture lies, I'll wait upon its brink. First of all, those are some very forced rhymes. Yeah. Which, uh, maybe not such a good poet. Yeah, yeah. Although, didn't he write children's books? I feel like that was part of the lore <laughs> last time. He did, but they didn't sound very good. Hmm. Um, and the players actually worked out the solution to this one fairly quickly, from what I can see. Okay. Because um, uh, in the next couple of days, Mark had a bunch of stuff on his desk uh, about like aquatic life, and he had a book called Unusual Crustaceans of the North Atlantic. <laughs> Um, so they realized that with the cipher on the, so they had to make the red cipher text in the bar spell Phronima, um, which is a kind of deep sea parasite. Yeah, I just looked it up and they're, they're like little tiny parasites. Okay. So each of the, each of the buttons on this key code made a different letter appear on the side. And yeah. This, so this um, this riddle leads to Phronima? Yes. And then you have to figure out which buttons make that spell out. Okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, but you have to press two um, tiles to get a new one to show up in the side. So they figured out that it's a basic like A1Z23 code. But okay. you have to add the letters together to get the final number of the letter that's going to appear on in the sidebar. Okay. So, like, for P, you assume... I think they figured out that A was 0, so 13 is N and 2 is C, so you would press the buttons for N and C, and, and then a P would show up in the, in the sidebar. Lever. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, there was a glitch in the website where sometimes you would do it and it would crash even if you put in the right answer. <laughs> so you would have to refresh the website and do the whole puzzle over again, oh, which no. sucked because you would get a random assortment of letter tiles every time. Oh, no. Yeah. God, that's weirdly complex. Yeah. Um... But when you solve it, you get a new message from Letwidge. Uh, Seeker, you have fathomed the depths of the secret. 
you know now what wonders wait in rapture, both within and without. But if it remains beyond your reach, despair not, for the Red Queen's race has nearly run its course. Keep the faith, and you shall embark upon the White Knight's journey. The Knight's question must be answered. Only then will the sevenfold lock at last unfold. Its lights will lead you through the wreckage and prepare you for your last descent. This is Orin Oscar Lutwidge, one other laboring on the waves to rapture. Yeah. So um, he, keep, he keeps mentioning this, the sevenfold lock. Do we yeah. necessarily know what that is? Um, no, we don't. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so when you put the correct keys in for that puzzle, you get that message and then it opens to a new five by five grid puzzle. Oh no, that's just a one more complex grid yeah. than the last. Yeah. <sighs> Great, you solved easy mode. Now go to hard. <laughs> so they have that, and I believe it takes them a little while to uh, to solve that one. Um, because they don't have all the information they quite need for it. But for that one, it's you click a tile, it lights up green, and then it just like turns off if you leave it for too long. Uh, so they okay. were like, well, we don't know what to do with this. We have like a bunch of stuff that Lutwidge said that's probably a hint, but... <laughs> okay. And so Mark's investigation continues. He also figures out how to open the box, uh, kind of along with the players, because he's been progressing along with the players. Someone, I think, on our Discord or on Twitter said, why... Like, asked why no one just, like, sent him a copy of Bioshock in the mail, which would be very funny. He doesn't have an Xbox, Marn. <laughs> it's true. It's 1967. Oh, it's true. Um, he contacts his French woman contact um, to talk more about Lutwidge. Uh, he notes that she talks about Lutwidge like she believes he's still alive. And he asks okay. if she knows if he was ever seen again after he left in 1958, I think, to look for Andrew Ryan and Rapture. Okay. Mark also digs up a letter written by Letwidge um, threatening to reveal Rapture unless Andrew Ryan tells him where it is. Uh, he says that he feels like he's worthy uh, to be a part of Rapture. Um, and says okay, that okay. So it's not. Go ahead. And he says that he uh, he sent false information to the U.S. government to lead them away from where Rapture actually is. Huh. So this isn't just a business deal gone south. It's also this guy's jealous of the fact that Rapture exists and he wasn't invited. Yeah, I think so. I was in high school. I know how this goes. Yeah. Uh, Mark also celebrates his missing daughter's birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah. Uh, he put, he leaves out a cupcake on his desk and puts a card out that says, Happy birthday, Cindy. I promise I will find you. Okay. Is he gonna leave that there the whole time? Because that's gonna get real gross in about three days. <laughs> Uh, apparently it was there for at least two days, according to the documentation on the Bioshock wiki. Okay, and then it got stale, and he debated for a minute within himself, but then he tossed it out. 
God. I get it. We all do symbolic stuff that ends up being wrong logistically. Uh, he gets a new letter from Celeste, his French contact, uh, who says that she lied to him about Lutwidge being alive uh, and that she had an encounter with Lutwidge uh, and that she has mm. been checked into an asylum and asks that Mark stop uh, trying to look for Lutwidge. Okay, that happened quick. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, Mark's uh, UFO buddy has been sending him a bunch of stuff about this that um like sci-fi book that he sent him about like the fictional version of rapture um oh right yeah yeah um like being like hey mark have you read this here's an interview with the author that i did (laughs) (laughs) um the the author's andrew bryan Uh, so the author is someone called Lex Harlan, and apparently he wrote this, like, Eutropolis book uh, while editing the writing of someone called R. Killian Quain, who is a author who... I have to go to his wiki page. There are so many characters in this. <laughs> Jesus, Lord God. This is Rapture Marn. He has nothing to do with that. It's true. Okay, so he wrote the original... So, Quain wrote the original manuscript that became Eutropolis, and this editor kind of edited into a book... uh, about like this underwater dystopia that was like a knockoff rapture. <laughs> so it's very possible that Quain uh was actually someone who knew about rapture was like trying to write the truth, but the editor was like, "Oh, this this would be a good <laughs> book idea." No, this is believable. Let's jump back. Let's add aliens. <laughs> and yeah, and in the um in the in the interviews uh th- this editor thinks that like uh, rapture or eutropolis isn't isn't real and is like a conspiracy theory and is like oh yeah that writer was just like a a conspiracy nut but i wanted to make money off of it so there you go yeah he's a conspiracy nut like the alien people and the shangri-la lady yeah Um, and then we move into September, and Mark is... Marn, what day is September 1st? Day 69. Nice. Okay, what happens <laughs> in September, Mark? <laughs> so day 69, September 1st. Uh, Mark is on the hunt for this Quain fellow, figuring that he is also someone uh, who is living in Rapture. Uh, he apparently has been calling the editor who wrote Eutropolis like over and over because he has a message from the editor saying to stop calling him <laughs> <laughs> and um gives him some information on Quain's uh location uh Mark also finds out 
that Quain's name, uh, Rod Quain, uh, is Red Queen, so perhaps a clue to Lutwidge's Red Queen stuff that he has going on. Um, he gets a... He sends a letter to the detective, uh, who's investigating his daughter's, uh, disappearance, uh, saying that he thinks that... Saying that he, Mark, thinks that he's losing it and asking the detective to stop him, uh, if he does anything crazy. (laughs) Okay. Um... But it's un it's left unfinished and in his typewriter, um, and the okay. detective calls him and says that he's on his way over, um, and then later in the day the website updates and Mark's room is just like in a shambles. Oh shit! Um, the door is forced open. Everything's like scattered across the floor. The chair is knocked over. Um, and, like, the phone is on the floor, and everyone's like, oh no, what happened to Mark? Um, and the next day, uh, they find out that Mark got a psychiatric examination mm-hmm. and was sent home with some anxiety meds. That'll do it. Yeah. Uh, and there's a new puzzle. New puzzle. And there is also a new thi- a new little interview clip from his UFO friend with the editor, uh, just talking more about how how Quain uh, was coming up with these nutty ideas about a city under the waves. <laughs> but so the next puzzle is. A puzzle that was called the Rubik's Tube. <laughs> That's very cute. Uh, because it was tubular and it had a lot of colors. Oh, yeah. Okay. I. It's not what I was expecting for a Rubik's Tube, but there we are. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I. Okay, so it's like a tube and it's got a bunch of uh, colored lines that run around and through it. Um, along the edges, and then there are squares in the middle that have um, those lines on them. It kind of looks like um, it actually kind of looks like the hacking mini game from Bioshock. Oh, yeah! I bet um, it was. I bet it was modeled on that. I'll just send you a quick YouTube video. So um, the way that the it works in the game is that there's these like liquid pneumatic tubes. Um, yeah, there's these, like, liquid pneumatic tubes, and from one end the water will start, and you have to, like, arrange the tiles that the tubes lead the water from, you know, the start on one end to the exit on the other. Um, Mm. it's pretty simple puzzles in the game, but it's kind of like a, I don't know, Bioshock has a whole, like, not steampunk, but, like, hydropunk aesthetic. Yeah, that makes sense. It's very wet. (laughs) (laughs) It's very damp. Yeah. Um, So Um, yeah. So this yeah, this kind of matches up with that. Yeah. So the way this puzzle works is that um, it has it's a cylinder that has five sides uh, and it has three tiles per side and five tiles per ring. 
and you have to arrange the tiles so that the edges of the patterns match up with each other um, and form like a continuous thing um, around the whole tube. That's really tricky. Yeah, but it looks like the players solved it in only a couple of days. Okay. Um, Well, good work, guys. (laughs) So they open up the tube puzzle, um... And they get the first two pages of Quain's journal, uh, the first page of which reveals that Quain is Lutwidge. They get, there's more pages, but they only get, I think, uh, the cover and page one to start off with. So Quain is Lutwidge. Okay. Okay, so it's just a fake name that he's been making up. So he's making puzzles to lead things to his own fake self's writings. Yeah. So he's just making an ARG for his own book. I get Correct. that. Okay. <laughs> the next day, uh, Mark explains to his, uh, his UFO buddy that he faked having a mental breakdown <laughs> to get into what? the asylum. He faked having a mental breakdown to get into the asylum where Lutwidge slash Quain is, um, and then he got the the Rubik's Tube puzzle directly from Lutwidge. Mark. Mark. A, you did not fake being ill. You are <laughs> ill. <laughs> You just showed it for a few minutes so that you could get into this place. <sighs> yeah, it's very right. funny that this man clearly in the middle of a nervous breakdown is like, haha, I will fake having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> they really believed my fake nervous <laughs> breakdown plan. Haha. It's like when, uh, it's like, um, the stupid move that teenage boys do. Um, and I know this because I did it because I was a stupid teenage boy where you're like, hey, would you want to go on a date? Like, unless you want to say no, then I'm joking. But like, if you said yes, I'd be into it. (laughs) It's like that approach to like, yeah, no, I'll definitely go. I'll like pretend to be having a mental breakdown. I'll pretend to need medicine and then they'll give it to me. Ha ha. I've successfully fooled them. Um, he also gets a, a voicemail from the detective who is pissed at him for doing this, obviously. Um, obviously. The players find uh, a couple journal entries in, in Mark's uh, room about his his brilliant plan. <laughs> Aha, good work, Mark. You're so devious. Um... He was like, yeah, I've already been to the mental hospital once, so I know what buttons to push at there to make the doctors worry about me without getting locked up permanently. <sighs> and then he talked to Letwidge. He's like, yeah, he's just this like inconspicuous old dude in a wheelchair. He, he like builds shit with garbage that they give him. Uh, at the mental hospital, um, he built this weird tube that he gave me. <laughs> I I said, Eutropolis is rapture to him, and he got really mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. 
And and Mark says like I'm the seeker. I'm the one that you've been waiting for. And gets the gets the tube from Letwidge. Uh, okay. And then he talks about how he opens the tube and gets the journal. Uh, he did that while he was still at the hospital. <laughs> I'm going to solve this puzzle, I'm going to unlock the tube, I'm going to open it, I'll find out what's inside, I'll read it, and then I'll seal everything back up inside so you all can do it later. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then he's like, yeah, but all I got is this weird journal that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) Fun fact, I went to a strange rambly old man and solved his puzzle, and all I got was the strange ramblings of an old man. Funny how that works. Uh, he also gets a phone message from his friend Jeremiah Lynch, uh, who is very skeptical that Lutwidge is still alive, uh, and he has stolen some uh, of Lutwidge's documentations and medical records from the hospital. <laughs> what? Yeah. A couple they need days. Those. I know, they do. The doctors are going to be like, does he have a heart condition? And the nurse is going to say, I don't know. Some strange photographer came in and stole all of our medical <laughs> records. For no reason. Just because they weren't sure he was alive. Uh, a couple days later, the journal actually shows up in uh, Mark's room. Uh, so the players can read more of it. Um, okay. I sent you the link for that. Um, okay. It's just a lot of, like, rambly stuff. I was thinking how his his handwriting looks like the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of, like, edgy Alice in Wonderland references and, um... Sure. Like, references to Bioshock 1. And also some stuff about, like, the the plasmids that you can get in Bioshock. That's how you know when someone's really crazy, is that they say repeatedly, I'm mad, I'm mad, madness has overtaken me, I'm mad, and then they quote Alice in Wonderland a lot. Yeah, you know, that's that's how it is. That's how mental illness do. Yeah. My fiancé is a uh, therapist, I know how it works. <laughs> Bunch of Carol heads coming in to her office daily. So over the the next like week or so, more pages from uh the journal come out. Um Mark talks to uh his French contact has hired some uh, private detectives to track Letwich. Uh Mark talks to them, gets a couple pictures of Letwich. Uh, the players figure out that Letwich probably has an addiction to Adam and the plasmids just from by like reading his uh his journal and looking at the pictures of him because you sure. know how you know how the splicers be yeah in Bioshock they got like weird mutations right that's the thing they have yeah they're some of them it's a They've got, like, messed up faces, right? Yeah, they've got... Yeah. Yeah, like, messed up faces and stuff like that. But they're not all... Sorry, you said mutation, and I was thinking of, like, shooting fire out of their hands and stuff. No. (laughs) There are some specific people that are like that, but, like, 
for the most parts, they're just drug addicts. Yeah, so uh, people figure out that Lutwidge uh, was probably on his way to becoming a splicer by the time he left uh, Rapture, which is probably why he's not doing so great right now. Sure. Uh, Celeste, Mark's uh, French contact, says that she got a threatening letter, and Mark also gets a threatening letter, um, warning him not to continue his investigation, um, and she, Celeste, calls her detectives off, so Mark, once again, does not have any help. One of these days I want to cover an ARG where it's like, yeah, they get a letter that says that they need to stop their investigation, and so they do. <laughs> That's the end of the That's ARG. That's the end of it. Yeah, that was the last one. Um, the last journal entry just says, fuck, I'm in over my head. Bye. And that was it. The last update we ever got. <laughs> what are your recommendations this week, Mark? <laughs> That's the end of the Bioshock ARG. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so then we get to October. Um, Mark discovered where Lutwidge's lab was, uh, where he built all of his like puzzle devices and etc. Uh, and found a box full of splicer masks. Okay. And he also found some like devices and articles and stuff from Rapture. Sure. Um. And I don't think they get a new puzzle from that. No, they don't. So they're still stuck on the um on the five by five grid puzzle, unfortunately <laughs> for everyone. Um and there's there's no real uh real hints uh that they have to go forward with that one. Okay. Um but uh, Mark gets a letter uh, from a, a guy whose wife left uh, when everyone was vanishing to go to Rapture. Uh, and the letter uh, has an encoded message that says something in the sea. And the first letters of every paragraph spell Andrew Ryan. That's the title of the game. <laughs> uh and while this is all happening uh a couple fans are receiving actual mail from mark oh cool uh they're getting like little telegrams from him uh and some of them are getting packages with uh splicer masks in them oh that's so cool yeah um, more stuff from Lutwidge's lab starts to show up in Mark's room. Um, there's his original, like, draft that, uh, that eventually became Eutropolis, which is a non-fiction story called The Utopian Metropolis, which is about his time in Rapture. <laughs> Someone saw Utopian Metropolis and was like, why do you say we kick this one up a notch? <laughs> Cut out you cut out the Topian. Cut out the Met. We got Utopolis. Utropolis, you know. Um Mark also gets a message from his bank saying that uh he is running out of money because he's been spending so much money like looking for his daughter and like going all over the place finding these clues. Yep. 
checks out. Yeah. Um, October 13th, uh, Mark's office is rifled through again. Uh, his All of his drawers are open. Uh, a couple things are moved into different places. And it looks like uh, the, the Rubik's tube is all kind of scrambled up like someone tried to open it. Hmm. Um, Mark finds a film container, um, meaning that someone was in there like taking pictures of his office. He's not uh, he, just faking another mental breakdown. Yeah. Uh, he writes that he uh, suspects maybe, like, the government or the detective. Um, he basically says that he suspects pretty much everyone that he's in contact with <laughs> of doing this. Sure. Yeah. Um, there's <sighs> also someone called the Red Pawn who uh, Lutwidge sent letters to. Um, who Mark is like, hey, maybe this guy is still out there. Uh, so there's the Red Queen and the Red Pawn? Yes. And so Lutwidge is. Chess motifs. Yes. Lutwidge is probably the Red Queen because his uh, alias was uh, Rod Quinn? Right. Something like that. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So, yes, the Red Pawn, uh, we find out from Lutwidge's effects from his lab, uh, is the person who helped him manipulate uh celeste mark's french friend uh mm-hmm. into thinking that he was no longer around and to uh getting her to stop looking for him basically okay so it's, we're looking for a guy named roger don yeah you the know rod, rod don yeah i get it rod don um mark also gets a message from one of the private detectives who celeste hires who says that celeste is missing um, and wants to work with Mark to find the Red Pawn, who they think might have uh, might have done something to Celeste. Okay. I bet that the Red Pawn is Jeremiah Lynch. Mm. The photographer. Oh! Because he's who got Mark interested in the thing in the first place. He was like the first person that sent him stuff like, hey, check out these girls in the ocean. Um <laughs> That sounds creepier than it meant to be. Um, but he's also the guy that was like, oh, no, I bet that dude in the, the hospital. T- <laughs> no, that's not him. What? what? <laughs> no, buddy, that's not him. I, I swear. I bet it's him. And the film container, because we know he's a photographer. Yes. Interesting that also theory. is true. Um, Mark gets um, intel from this private detective whose name is Dash Carmody, which is the best name for a detective. Dash Carmody? Yeah. That's becoming a... They're going to my D&D game. (laughs) Hold on. Let me get my notebook. Let me get this. Let me flip to the right page. (laughs) He is a private detective who helps Celeste track Lutwidge and, um is also was also sent by Celeste to like help Mark. Um and he turns up information uh on Jeremiah Lynch, uh saying that he is not who he claims to be and has a record Boom. of criminal activity. Boom! Nailed it. <laughs> Why aren't we following Dash Carmody through this entire game? I know, right? He's such we gotta a follow a guy named Mark Metzger. 
He's such a compelling protagonist. Tash Harmony. <sighs> when we make our ARG to kill all ARGs, the main character is going to be named like Speed Bryant. <laughs> Steel Weathersby. God. Um, Mark gets extremely frustrated uh, learning that Lynch has like this criminal past. Uh, he types out a letter to his UFO buddy that's like, Maybe none of this is real. I'm starting to doubt that Rapture even exists. Uh, the note for day 103, which is October 20th, also says, You can also observe that the anxiety pills have been depleted, showing that Meltzer is taking them and st- and is still suffering from the loss of his beloved daughter. Huh, you better pretend to be anxious again and then go talk to a doctor so you can get a refill and trick him. You yeah. got him. Good work, bud. Um, Mark goes to the beach. Um, <laughs> Ooh, beach episode. Yeah. He goes uh, to the beach that where his daughter vanished because it's October 21st, which is the anniversary of her, uh, her vanishing. Uh, he sees a... He, he says that he sees a sandcastle in the shape of a city. Uh, which is something from one of the Bioshock 2 trailers. Um, okay. And he has a picture of it with the caption, please tell me it's real. Um, and the the city has ciphertext in front of it that says, uh, what's taking so long? Daddy, come find me. Oh, shit. Uh, and the next day, the detective leaves Mark a message saying that he saw the the big sister, the red light thing, uh, and he shot her. And as far as he he's concerned, the case is closed. <laughs> I saw the thing and I shot it. So we're good. <laughs> case closed. I shot the monster. Did not catch it. Just shot it. Shot it. It fell into the ocean. So it's probably dead. Case closed. <laughs> Case closed. Also, I didn't mes- mention this on the last episode, but the detective's name is Benny Stango. Benny Stango? Yeah. All right. These are good names. I've just not been mentioning names because it's so much easier to call them by what they do. Absolutely. I w- if you kept just telling me names, I would not understand anything going on in this game correct i wouldn't understand anything going on in this game benny stango is gonna go with dash carmody and they're gonna go and find mark metzger's pills which they're gonna take to (laughs) jeremy ironsides uh and then robert downey jr is gonna go with i I have no idea who any of these people are at this point um so jeremiah lynch sends mark a phone message saying that he has spoiled the fun uh by going to the police they certainly did. He spoiled your fun, Mr. Pawn. It's also, um, can I just say, we can cut this out if we don't want to have Bioshock spoilers, uh, but it is very funny that they've pulled the same twist of someone pretending to be a friendly Irishman is actually <laughs> manipulating <laughs> you behind the scenes the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> You're totally right. <laughs> they were like, we can get away with this twice. Mark, this is the oldest friend, Jeremiah Lynch. Oh, you've been stirring <laughs> up a whole hornet's nest, haven't you? 
talking and talking to the detectives and spoiling our fun. I dare say you don't give up easily, old Orin Lutwidge would be proud of you if he could think straight. Good luck, Mark, with your night's journey. Hopefully it leads you to rapture and not a padded cell. Ha ha, Tatana, I really must run. What the fuck? Ha <laughs> ha, Tatana? <sighs> okay, they called him a knight. Yeah. Spoiler alert for chess, but that's a character from the game. Also, if you scroll down, there is an actual voice clip of him, and it is clearly someone doing an extremely fake Irish accent. <laughs> yeah, this I'm, I'm just as good as he is at this. <laughs> uh, so Mark gets that uh voicemail from Lynch. Uh, he also gets a letter from Dash Carmody. Dash Carmody, um, attorney at law. <laughs> who says that he has uh contacted uh local law enforcement in Ireland to keep tabs on Lynch, who has apparently gone into hiding, uh and he asks Mark to tell him uh just as soon as he gets another contact from Lynch. Dash Carmody has been a character for like three days and he's already solved this shit. Yeah, it's true. We should have been following Dash Carmody the whole time. It's true. He, like, showed up on the scene and immediately was like, hey, your friend is evil. And he was right. 100%. Oh, Dash. The true hero. We should all strive to be a little bit more of Dash Carmody. It's true. Um, I'm going to play in my next interstitial game. (laughs) Dash Carmody. Uh, Mark sends his UFO buddy Phil a letter saying that he wants to find the night's journey. (laughs) Sorry. Mark's just like, well, my old photographer buddy turned out to be bad. It's a good thing I can still trust old UFO Joe. (laughs) Oh. Um... I think I think they were friends like before all of this happened, which is probably why Mark trusts him. Okay, that I'll give a little more leeway to that. Um, he says that he wants to find out what the night's journey is, and he wants to crack the five by five grid puzzle. Uh, he says that he tried to go back to Letwidge's lab, but there were uh, guards there where there weren't before. Mark says that Phil is the only one that he can trust, and he feels that Dash Carmody has no patience for him. (laughs) Which is probably true. (laughs) He's got better things to do. He's the only person in this game we can trust. And then we move... He's the adult in the room. God. UFO Phil is the adult. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were talking about Dash Carmody. No, UFO Phil is definitely not the adult in the room. Dash Carmody is the adult in the room. <laughs> Mark's been on this case for 111 days now, and he still doesn't know, I don't think, that much more than when he started. But Dash Carmody got here like 10 days ago and was like, I'm solving everything. Dash Carmody's great. It's true. Uh, so he, so our friend Dash Carmody. Uh, sends Mark um, 
pictures of the inside of Lutwidge's lab, um, including tiles covered in ciphertext, uh, and a letter saying, hey, I think this is, this is a clue to your puzzle box. By the way, I already solved your stupid 5x5 five five puzzle. I'll give you a hint so you can figure it out yourself, though. Because <laughs> I'm Dash Carmody. I'm a good guy. Yeah. Um, Mark also gets a letter from the Office of Naval Intelligence saying that his uh, his friend in the agency is being investigated for using government resources for personal investigations. I assumed this guy was on the clock this whole time, considering this guy is... You know what? I'm going to let it go. Yeah, this <laughs> the cop was in the wrong. <laughs> Um, so then we get to the last day of this phase, which is phase two. Um, Mark sends Phil a letter saying that he has had a major breakthrough with the puzzle, uh, and that he is leaving to visit Phil and some of his maritime contacts. Um, Mm. and some of his stuff is missing from the office. Uh, and depending on whether or not uh, you have visited the site after solving the piano puzzle, um, stuff appears differently. Um, okay. If you got to the next level of the like the grid puzzle, uh, the metal box will be gone. Um, if you never solved any of the puzzles after the first level um, of the metal box and you didn't, like, solve the the piano or whatever, um, everything is still there. Uh, the metal box is there, and it just opens to the, the first stage of the puzzle. Okay. Um, and then you can click uh, a note on Mark's desk, and it will take you to phase three. Whoa! Oh. Okay, okay. Is, is, hello? Is the thing hello? on? Hello? 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 Hey, hey, hi, what's up? This is this is Ben Bath and I don't know anymore. I need out of this fucking podcast, okay? We got, we, got, we, we, we talked about Bionicle for a very long time and we tried mm-hmm. to stop but then some evil force trapped us in hell and is forcing us to talk about things that start with the letter B until we die. We did Beyblade and now we're on Batman and it's just gonna keep getting I'm, fucking I'm, worse. I'm, a, I'm afraid of what happens next. I haven't seen my wife in several days. Please help us. Please help please us. Help. Oh, God. Please Joe. help us. Joe, do you hear that? Oh, God. Go to theorangegirls.com and help us. Please. God, please. No. No. no! Oh, God. On the surface. Does anybody hear us? Oh. United States Navy. A distress call from things have gone to hell down here. We need immediate evacuation. Does anybody read? Does anybody read? It's barely anything human anymore. God damn, god damn it, we need immediate Phase three, the boat. The boat. In November 1968, Mark Melter sets off on a boat from Baltimore, Maryland to continue the search for his daughter Cindy. Stash Carmody with him? No. <laughs> then we're not going to get anywhere. Um. So there's a little note on his desk. Uh, you click it and you get a new window, which is the inside of a boat. A boat? 
Yeah. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Looking at it um, now, that's just neat. It is neat. Um, it's still got a lot of the stuff from Phase 2, uh, so that um, you can refer to it. And there's also a, a photo of his wife and daughter uh, that takes you back to Mark's office in case you need anything there. Um, okay. And so Mark's on a boat. Um, he gets a new note from Dash uh, with more pictures of Lutwidge's lab uh, and the pictures of the, the ciphertext floor tiles from the lab uh, form a 8x8 checkerboard of tiles. We're just getting deeper and deeper checkerboards. I know. Um, the players put together the 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 checkerboard of tiles, and they figure out how to read this complex grid. Uh, you have to go around it using the movement pattern of a knight on a chessboard because it's the knight's journey. Okay. Oh. Hey, yeah. Um, and when you move around the board like that and you decipher it, it says, The red pawn lies, but where lie the dolmens of his feigned antique obsession? So how do you know where to move? Um, you, you have to, there's like a question mark symbol and you have to start at the question mark and then okay. move around the grid, um like a knight on a chessboard until you've right. touched every single square on the board. There's a little animation oh. that shows you. Yeah. Those are my least favorite puzzles in Pokemon. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. And eventually I assume that you'll have touched like each square only once or something. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and so the players get their hint. Uh, a dolmen is a megalithic tomb with a large flat stone laid on upright ones, um, which I have just learned by Googling it. Um, and Jeremiah Lynch sent Mark a photo of one at the beginning of phase two, uh, and they find the actual location of it, which is Carrowmore Cemetery in Ireland. And they figure out that the answer to the 5x5 grid is Caromore. So they punch that in, and they get <laughs> another puzzle box. Hell yes. This Red Queen sucks. Um, but this one isn't a grid. That's good. I was about to say, is it a 6x6? Six six? No. It's, it's, um, it's a weird tube puzzle. Okay. But not like the tube that we have before. It's, um... They're, they're tubular light bulbs inside the box. Um, so there's 20 light bulbs, uh, 10 per row, and they flash a series of cipher, cipher symbols uh, one after the other. Um, and they have little buttons okay. with cipher letters uh, connected to them on the bottom. And if you click one of those, um, it causes them to stop flashing uh, and a cipher letter will become fixed in the first bulb. Um, and then if okay. you click more, it fills up the rest of the bulbs. Um, and if you get it incorrect, they just start flashing again. So you've linked to me this puzzle, and the 
the letters in the thing below there's a a transcription for each of the um the like the cipher yes so the letters in play are a d e n r w and y and as an andrew i can tell you that that spells out andrew and ryan oh sorry i saw that i was like that says my name and a y uh so. yeah okay so we have those words I assume that just spelling out Andrew Ryan doesn't do it? No. Um, the players actually here. have no idea um, what to do with this when they first get it. Because they're like, okay. well, we have the letters to make Andrew Ryan, but like, uh, that's not 20 letters. Like, yeah. we can't light up 20 light bulbs. Um, so, they... They don't quite know what to do yet, um, but they will solve it later. <laughs> okay. Um, so the players look around the boat. Um, they get a, a clue to solving uh, level four of the metal box puzzle. Uh, because they find the Child's Garden of Ciphers book on Mark's uh, dresser one day, uh, which is okay. Cindy's cipher book. Um, and they find a word search, which has a clue to the metal box puzzle. Um, and the word search is in the cipher text, I think. So they solve the word search and they realize that the word search grid is a Polybius uh, cipher grid. Okay. I think um, we talked about Polybius squares, right? I don't, I don't know if we have or not. Um, but I don't have it, to describe it, but I, I, I know yeah. what it is. I, th I think we talked about it when we did Frog Fractions. I could be wrong. Okay. Either way, I'll include a link in the show notes that explains Polybius ciphers because I don't know how to do it out loud. I'm going to leave it to Dr. <laughs> Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so they, they realize that the, the word search is a Polybius decoder grid um, and the, um, the key, instead of being uh numbers like one two three four five is right is um andrew ryan's um name oh okay um so any letter becomes represented from a combination of two letters from a n d r e and w r y a n oh okay so you could have like a Y and that spells out to a letter. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So A Y equals Q. D W equals R. Like okay. Yeah. Um and so they are able to okay. translate the ciphers that are flashing in the um in the light bulbs. And then they translate them into English, and then they translate them from the Polybius square, and they get a hint to their answer. 
Um, okay. Which it is a riddle, which is hungry Hans last supped inside a boot, which can never go up. Hungry Hans last supped inside a boot, which can never go up. Yep. A U-boat? Yeah. Hell yeah. A German uh, submarine. Yeah, right? so they like find the, out... The boot? Das boot? The boat? Yeah. The submarine, yeah. So they find out that there was a U-boat captained by a Hans Hunger uh, that was sunk oh. in 1943. Um, and so they figure out that the answer to the riddle is the name of the U-boat, and then they have to translate it back using the Polybius square. Okay, so they they type in like E A R A R W and go from there. Yeah. Cool. Um and then they get a new riddle. Of course they do. Yeah, of course they do. Like what do you expect? Um nothing less. And the new riddle is, look to the sea where the balder once sailed and spell the surname of the captain who failed. The only balder I know is Baldur's Gate from d <laughs> so I don't think of him any use here. Yeah, this one is a reference to that Frozen Triangle book that Mark has been reading. Okay. Um, right. Which, yeah, which is about, like, the potential location of Rapture. It's, like, this weird area in the, I think, Atlantic ocean right um, the fake bermuda triangle yeah the fake bermuda triangle um and a couple people who sent mark mail uh got mailed some pages of it and one of them talks about um the disappearance of a ship called the balder uh which was captained by a captain ragnarson ragnarson yeah cool so they enter that and they get another riddle <laughs> Of course we do. Hit me. Uh, in 47, a train last left this nest tucked within an ebon fowl's breast. Say that one more time. In 47, a train last left this nest tucked within an ebon fowl's breast. Okay, so 47 is 1947. I assume. Yeah. An ebon fowl. It's like a crow. Or some kind of uh-huh. black bird. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Um, so it's another reference to the frozen triangle, uh, which okay. they can now find in Mark's little boat room, uh, and they can kind of rifle through a little bit. Um okay. and there the book mentions a plane that vanished in forty seven while flying over the frozen triangle. Uh, they're like, okay, well, if it's where it last left, we have to find the airport. Um, and they find that it is an airport in Kulusuk, Greenland. Okay. Oh, the nest where it last left yeah. from. Okay, cool. An airport. And and apparently a Kulusuk is a kind of bird. Or it means it means the chest of a black guilemot, which is a kind of bird. Okay. They have a cool. Greenland, I guess. Um so they cool. enter so they enter in Kalisuk and they get another riddle. Another riddle. 
I'm on to your tricks, Marn. <laughs> Um, and while this is all going on, um, Mark is also kind of documenting this stuff. Like, um, he pins up, like, a coordinate where the U-boat sunk. Uh, he's going through and he finds, like, the coordinates of the last location of the boulder. Um, and so his office is kind of changing as the players are also solving the puzzle. Um, okay. I don't think there's any huge changes. Yeah. Um, and the next riddle is, but know ye the point where the sky train derailed? I assume the book has coordinates in it. Um, Mark has put up coordinates of the, of where the plane, uh, went down. And, he yeah he has a map that he's been pinning all of this stuff to uh he connects the point where the u-boat went down and the point where the oh my gosh so he connects the point where the u-boat went down and the point where the boulder went down uh and he connects them to form a triangle and everyone's like oh the the other point of the triangle is probably where the plane went down um a couple people get mail from mark with postcards uh, that actually have the coordinates that's really cool yeah um and the answer is the coordinates 63 north 32 west cool so they do all of that and then they get a fifth riddle with a new set of um set of keys. Okay. Well, it's not actually no, it's the same, but the the top row of lights is covered up by a a, a speaker. Okay. And you get a message from Letwidge. Ooh. Because of course, of course, of course you do. do. Uh, and he and he has an arcane riddle for you. <laughs> okay it is very funny that they've just been getting these like regular like one sentence riddles up till now but Letwidge was like oh no 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 for the last one I have to record <laughs> myself reading it and a speaker is gonna pop out of the box <laughs> uh, all the red pawns ancient lore should be studiously ignored the stones are mute they tell you not Yet in his pack of lies, he's caught an accidental truth. The tales they tell in Reykjavik of sailors lost and broken ships all end in tragedy, save one. Tell the name and you'll be done. Save five more steps, forsooth. Are there five more riddles after this, Marn? Um, no. (laughs) Thank God. Okay. You'll be done after this one, except for these five other steps that I've come up with. <sighs> yeah. So I assume there's one uh boat that didn't sink in the uh the triangle? Um so yes. So I don't think they solved this right away. Okay. I think this one took them a little while. Um cuz they were like, well what could this even possibly mean? Um meanwhile, uh Mark 
uh, is collecting more evidence on Letwidge. Uh, he finds a classified ad in Visionary Wonder magazine, which is where Letwidge originally published his stuff about Rapture. Um, okay. And an ad that is written by Letwidge that mentions true Rapture and something called IOOP, uh, like an organization. Yoop. And he finds a pamphlet from IOP, which is revealed to be the International Order of the Pawns. Okay. Yeah. It's a introduction for new members. I'm looking at it on the website. It really is uh, an informational pamphlet. To the pawns. In this world, a grand game is being played. Its moves are secret. Its stratagems complex. You have been contacted because you've witnessed the patterns that lie beneath the surface of things. Unlike the blinkered herd, you've recognized the secret sequence of the squares. Thus, you've achieved the first degree. To achieve victory, one must first recognize that the game's afoot. The White King, in his ivory tower, has challenged us to play his covert game, to find his hidden castle. But the game is both intricate and global. The Queen cannot be everywhere at once, alas, so you must advance the agenda. You may be asked to go anywhere, to participate in actions that seem, at first blush, baffling. Your mind may be strained to the breaking point by puzzles, paradoxes, and provocations. But if you persevere, if you prove your pluck and probability, prove your pluck and probity, if you aid us in uncovering the hidden whilst luring the unworthy off their trail of truth, then knowledge will be granted unto you in a matter of degrees. Dare, my pawns, dare to accomplish what few dream. But dare most of all to be silent. With respect and admiration, your Red Queen. O-O-L. Yeah. Okay. I like that underneath he has written, which is me, indeed. <laughs> under his, under his, um, under his initials. <laughs> oh. Um, Mark oh, also. I'm reading a different thing. Oh no, I'm also reading a different thing. Sorry, I was reading a um I was reading a, a letter that he further down, uh, where underneath his initials he writes OOL, which is me indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start writing that on letters to people. <laughs> hey, I got a question. How is Mark getting mail? That's a good question. He's on a boat. I think a lot of this stuff is like stuff that he just like stole from Letwidge's uh lab. But yeah, he is definitely getting mail, huh? And phone messages. Oh, so Mark also finds a letter from Orin Oscar Letwidge to a gray pawn, um who Letwidge says Grey Pawn, please know that your repeated, endlessly repeated warnings about the Red Pawn have not gone unheeded. <laughs> I don't like Mark. Well, the Red Pawn is, um, we think it's Lynch. Oh, right, 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 right. The Red Pawn is Lynch. Yeah. So at this point, is Mark a pawn? Uh, probably? He's not, okay. like, in direct contact with Letwidge, who is, like, in the in the hospital. That's true. Um, Letwidge says the Red Pawn is a vital component of our Baskerville project. Uh, we have to ensure that all uh, real information about uh, Rapture is 
hopelessly entwined with like conspiracy theories about like Atlantis and stuff. We thought that the Red Pawn, uh, Mr. Lynch, uh, was a useful idiot. But now we think that he is looking for a way to profit off of the the secret of rapture. I bet Dash Carmody's the Grey Pawn. He knows what's up. Oh, yeah, maybe. That's why he came in and was like, boom, boom, boom. Knock these out of the way. <laughs> uh, basically Letwich a bishop also, at this point. Letwich also says, I shall go to the Red Pawn in person to determine the precise nature of his threat. Uh, so that's Uh-oh. that's something. Um, and this is from September 1958, this letter. Okay. Uh, which is the same time, which is the, the same year that he sent the Red Pawn Lynch a letter to tell him to kind of lay off of Celeste. Uh, hey, uh, settle down. <laughs> and stop harassing her. And so Mark has that... And he has the Order of the Pawns pamphlet. He gets a radio transmission from Lynch. Uh, and the <laughs> the wiki says, judging by his voice, he seems intoxicated. <laughs> Picked a real uh, bad pawn. Yeah. And he basically is just like, oh, I sent the postcard giving people a hint to the puzzle. Um. <laughs> and I'm helping you solve the puzzles and uncover Lutwidge's secrets. He doesn't really say anything useful. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark uh, also gets the postcard on his desk uh, that was sent out with the, the coordinates. He also gets a poem in Litwigian cipher, which I'm going to guess isn't super relevant or important yet because there's no translation of it on the wiki page. (laughs) I once met a man from the rapture. (laughs) Nothing Um, rhymes with rapture. I can't finish this. Yeah. Uh, Mark gets a note from Yellow Pawn. Sorry, uh, I need to pause you for just a second. Yes. I once met a man from the sea. From his hand he could shoot lots of bees. <laughs> I gave him a jolt, because he's, uh, he's quite adult. And he'll never find me, you see. Oh boy. Nailed that's it. A, that's Crushed a good it. one. You did it. You did it. We have to end this Could you shoot bees right out of your now? hand in Bioshock 1? My Google Im- my uh, my Google results now will officially include the literal phrases. Uh, did we give a shit about the Russians in the sixties? And could you shoot bees from your hand in Bioshock One? Yeah, that was a thing. I remember that being a thing. As I said, the answer to both of those questions is yes. <laughs> um. So Mark gets a note from Yellow Pawn, uh, saying that they're gonna meet up, and there's a transmission on the radio. Uh, telling some of the members of the Order of the Pawns to uh, shuffle around the proverbial chessboard. Um, And it says, Grey Pawn has made contact with a new player. Uh, Act with extreme caution. The Red Pawn is in motion. Okay. 
and Mark meets up with the yellow pawn and gets a folder of information. Um, and it's basically just information about some of the multiplayer characters that are going to be in Bioshock 2. <laughs> we're, officially Bi- getting into, we're officially getting into uh, commercial mode now, huh? I didn't know Bioshock 2 had multiplayer. I think Bioshock 2 came out in that weird period where um, AAA video games were not allowed to be released without a multiplayer element. Um, oh. It still kind of persists to this day. That's why you see a lot of like games like destiny and games on the like games as a service model where a lot of bigger publishers decided that um if you have like a short narrative game that takes like 15 hours to play through and tells a story in a single player mode once then what happens is that i buy the game i play through it i enjoy it the second day that i own it i sell it to gamestop and then nobody else buys a new copy ever again Hmm. so they decided that the thing that keeps people sticking around is to stick multiplayer into literally every video game. Oh yeah, uh, I'm reading about it now, and apparently it has its own plot. Really? Like, separate from Bioshock 2, yeah. Huh. Um, but yeah, I know that there was... That's why, like, The Last of Us has a multiplayer mode, even though it's, like, a deeply personal story about the dangers of the apocalypse, and then a lot of them ended up being like this is a weirdly personal story that you're telling and then the multiplayer mode is what if you could shoot everyone god welcome to video games (laughs) but yeah so mark gets some uh info on characters who like aren't relevant except for that they're characters (laughs) of the multiplayer of bioshock 2 um sorry you sent me a thing their names are zigo de acosta Buck Raleigh and Naledi Atkins. Yes. Buck Raleigh is going to be another character in my D&D campaign. Apparently he was arrested for tax evasion. The ultimate crime. (laughs) Uh, Mark gets a message from Celeste and a telegram from Dash Carmody. Um, And... There's a news broadcast intercepted by Mark saying that Celeste has been involved in an accident. Uh Uh-oh. But then the next day he gets a radio message from Celeste saying that she's alive. um, Okay. And a message from Dash saying Celeste is not anywhere near where the accident supposedly was, so it was probably fake. Okay. Um, there's a new recording of Lynch, who says that he is in New York, um, I think? No, we're not quite there yet. Uh, but there's a new recording of Lynch, um, and apparently Mark had a encounter with him, uh, and he, he writes a letter to Phil, uh, saying that he has had an encounter with Lynch, um, and then he gets a blood-stained letter from Celeste who did she die? What's no. it what's it stained with? Blood. Oh shit. I just heard a stained letter and I was like, are we talking tea? What are we talking? <laughs> oh shit. Um no, she's not dead. Uh 
she she apparently met with Mark in person uh, in France, and she says, whatever is to come, let us make the best of things in the time we have. Okay. Mark writes a letter to his UFO buddy saying that he feels like he's failed Celeste, um, and he gets a new book, which is The Spectral Sea, Legends of the Spirit Echoes of Atlantis, written by the Lynch. Spirit Echoes of Atlantis? Yes, and it's written by Lynch. Hell yes. Hell yeah. I'd listen, I'd read that in a heartbeat. Uh, and so that was December 22nd. Um, I guess the people running this, I would guess, took a couple weeks off for, like, winter holidays because it doesn't pick back up again till January 4th. That makes sense. So, yeah. to pause real quick, right now, are we just kind of learning about the different pawns and that they don't necessarily like each other? And then, meanwhile, we're waiting to solve that... Um, the other puzzle in the um that was under the you know transistor puzzle is that right yeah okay so we're just kind of learning more about the pawns but we're not actively working toward anything or trying to solve anything at the moment yeah pretty much okay um so mark uh we find out on january 4th that mark has been reading this book uh that lynch wrote and uh, writing more to his UFO Phil um, about uh, his trip to find Celeste. Uh, apparently she is now actually missing. Um, <laughs> Before she was only pretend missing. Apparently Lynch kind of stumbled on some kind of way to bypass this frozen triangle um, and whatever is like sinking these boats. Uh, Lynch leaves him a message saying that, uh, implying that he has done something to Celeste, probably murder. (laughs) Poor Celeste. Yeah. Uh, and that he is in New York, uh, and he's gonna go and visit Lutwidge and, um, get information out of him. Okay. We're going to pretend to be anxious again. Yeah. Um, and he says that he's going to get to Rapture before uh, before Mark does. Finishes writing this letter to Phil where he's talking about how he met up with Celeste. Uh, he says that he tried to protect Celeste by f- charging at Lynch and trying to fight him. Uh, he says that a gun slid across this bridge that they were on, and then Celeste shot Lynch and ran away. <laughs> okay. So, Lynch is dead? Uh, he was shot, and then he went to New York. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, and then... And then Celeste, uh, leaves Mark a message, um, saying... That she is alive. Uh, Lynch was kind of threatening her to not participate in the um, in the investigation or to try and sabotage. Uh, she was supposed to lure Mark to get close to Lynch. Um, okay. 
but then well, she kind of had a change of heart. <laughs> well, that's Martin. That's what women do. Uh, they're hired to try and seduce the male guy, but then they actually start to love them and decide to work against that. It's, you know, it's what women do, Marn. Yeah. It's pretty basic stuff. Yeah, you know. God, I, um, I hate those plot lines. <laughs> um, later in the day, the website updates. Uh, there's a radio broadcast about Lutwidge escaping from the hospital after killing an orderly. And that's what orderlies do. They just die in escape attempts. Yeah. Um, there's also Mark has a letter from the Grey Pawn, who we still don't know who it is. Okay. Uh, saying that the glass pawn is waiting for him in London. There's a glass pawn? Yeah. That's cool. I want to be the glass um, pawn. <laughs> and the radio broadcast gives you a number to call uh, if you have any information about Lutwidge. Uh, when you call it, it's a real phone number. Uh, and you get a message from the detective, Benny, uh, talking about Lutwidge. Okay. Um, and Mark gets a newspaper clipping about Lutwidge's breakout, which says that he may have had an accomplice, an accomplice described to be a Irish psychiatrist. Uh, that would be Lynch, right? Yeah. I mean, probably. He is the only Irish person in this whole ARG. In the whole world. The only one. Yeah. Um, Mark meets up with the glass pawn, who is the author of the Frozen Triangle. Of course he is. <laughs> Who's also uh, secretly Dash Carmody, proving me right. And he, well, we think Dash is the gray pawn. Oh, right, right, right. This is I get the glass mixed pawn. Up. Um, and he gives Mark a book called Back to the Frozen Triangle. I thought you were about to say it was Back to the Future, and I was going to flip a shit. <laughs> Surprise crossover. Okay, so we're gonna go back to the was it Frozen Circle? Back to the Frozen Triangle. Back to the Frozen Triangle. Alright. Sequel. Um Yeah. Uh which provided clues for the puzzle box, I believe. Okay. Um Yes. Um they, yeah, it has it has clues to the 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 riddle, um, of the about the um, the sailors and whatnot. Okay. And then, oh, so around this time, there's like the the second the second like offshoot ARG going on. <laughs> oh okay, tell me more. So there's there's a second offshoot ARG of there's something in the sea. Um some people got membership cards for the Order of the Pawns in the mail. Um okay. and they were contacted in code by Lutwidge. Um, Jesus, okay. Yeah. Who broke out of the hospital while Lynch was trying to kidnap him. 
Um, <laughs> and kicked off this like second weird like puzzle hunt um which the first part revealed that uh lynch killed the orderly and he was trying to kidnap lutwidge and lutwidge was looking for somewhere where the pawns could give him protection okay um and that kind of continued like it was a bunch of like dead drops that they had to find basically um okay and he would like give them a location and be like hey meet the green pawn in new york and solve this puzzle and then you get a key to a mailbox and then it gets you like a code um and there were seven major cities where this happened i think okay wow yeah um, so it was just, like, a fun real-life thing where people got together and, like, went to, like, a public place and met one of the pawns who was just, like, an, a paid actor. Um, okay. So le- less solved of a, like, a puzzle. Less of a, like, side ARG and more of just a little, like, hey, here's a neat little, like, sub-quest yeah. that doubles as a meetup. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was neat. Um, And I think it culminated in... um, There was a San Francisco meetup, and I think everyone who was there got invited to, like, a Bioshock 2 launch party. Oh, neat. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, And so that's going on... um, Mark is reading Back to the Frozen Triangle. (laughs) Um, He's getting more letters from his friends. Um, One of the crew members... That sounds nice. Yeah. That's a good Sunday. Yeah. You wake up, you read a book, you send some letters to some friends, you get some back. It's a good day. Uh, one of the crew else. members on the boat tells Mark they saw eyes in the sea watching the boat. Uh-oh. Um, Mark has a new photo. We're we're on day 47 now, January 26th. Okay. Um, Mark gets a new photo, uh, which is the inside of a dinghy with a, a big daddy doll in it and a note. Um... The note says in English, look for the big bright light. And then in cipher, hide and seek, daddy, you're getting warmer. Okay. Um, And a drawing of a little girl next to a lighthouse. Okay. Yeah. Um, And the little girl looks like one of the little sisters from Bioshock. Gotcha. Yeah. So we're getting closer to Rapture. Yeah. Um... Mark gets a new radio message. Um, a unknown operator sending a distress call to the U.S. Navy uh, to get immediate evacuation to the surface, saying that things have gone to hell down here. Huh. Okay. Um, implying that it was probably sent from Rapture. Right, yeah. Um, I'm trying to place it. What? Probably the events of Bioshock 2. Yeah, probably. Huh, cool. Um, 
So, day 50, we are on February now. February 2nd, uh, Mark has a new photo of the lighthouse with the note, Phantom Lighthouse? Question mark, question mark, question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (sighs) Okay. It says that he spotted it last night and the mist was impenetrable. Okay. Um, He leaves a letter to UFO Phil saying that he is going to leave the ship uh, via the dinghy uh, that they found and he is going to attempt to get through the mist and enter the lighthouse uh, to find his daughter. Oh, I think um, in Bioshock 1, I think that you went into a lighthouse to go down to Rapture. You do. Okay, sorry. I think I just jumped on a plot point then. <laughs> um, and day fifty-two, uh, there the ship cabin is uh all messed up. Uh, in the mirror Uh-oh. you could see it. In the mirror you could see a dead body. Oh shit! Uh, which people figure out is a splicer. Um. Okay. Oh, wait, before that, we should talk about the puzzle box, because they've solved it by now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. Um, you can't tell people there's a dead body and then jump back. I'm sorry. You definitely uh, can. What's up with the puzzle box? Roll back. So they solved the puzzle box. Um, they go through the Frozen Triangle book. Uh, they find that there was this ship called the Hackness uh, that made it through the triangle only to see a vision of the phantom lighthouse uh they put the answer in and they get a new level of the puzzle box okay uh the new level kind of looks like a really messed up like game of battleship it's like a grid with lights on it oh yeah weird okay uh people think that the big red dot in the middle is probably rapture it's the battleship the game is basically like you use the arrow keys on your computer to move a little white dot around the grid. Okay. Um, but you have to avoid all of the other dots and you have to hit all of the yellow dots um, in order to like get access to the red dot. Okay. And once you do it, uh, you get a compass that points towards rapture cool which is kind of a weird like (laughs) it's very funny that he hid this just a compass under five layers of puzzle box well so hold on he has a compass that's gonna point to rapture yeah isn't his whole thing that he wants to go to rapture um, he, I think, made, made the puzzle box after he went to Rapture and came back. But I thought that he wasn't allowed in Rapture. He, he, like, went and then he came back because he was like, oh, shit's fucked up. Then <laughs> and, he's, then he's, then and then he's he started, Ryan. Yeah, and then he started making puzzles for people to find Rapture. Okay. I don't His get facts- you, Lutwidge, but you make a mean puzzle box, so I'll give you that. He was, like, trying to obscure where Rapture was by, like, using conspiracy theorists to discredit it. And then he went to Rapture and was like, oh, this is bad, actually. I don't like this. (laughs) So then he was like, I'm going to help people find it. Okay. 
I don't get you, Lutwich, but I, I, I was about to say I don't get you, but I respect you, but I don't think that I respect him either. You do you, <laughs> Lutwich. Um, so yeah, so Mark gets this uh I think in late July. So we're in we're in February now. Okay. Um early February. So he's been following this uh this rapture compass, this magical rapture compass, uh, to the lighthouse. Um, and so we are now on February 4th. Uh, the cabin is in disarray. There's a dead splicer Okay. in the cabin. Uh, the words rapture awaits are, are etched into the wall. Uh, okay. The ship appears to be flooding. There's blood and bullet holes. Uh, there's a radio transmission from the Icelandic Nat- National Guard uh, or the Icelandic Coast Guard. Uh, in a re- in response to an SOS made for this boat, okay, um, and so that's what people log in to find. Shit. And then February fifth, uh, the last day of the ARG, um, Mark's room from Phase Two, uh, gets updated uh, with a new message from UFO Phil. And a newspaper article okay. saying uh, that most of the people on the, who were on the boat uh, are confirmed dead. Uh, Mark's body was never found. Uh, Phil figures that Mark probably failed uh, looking for his daughter and uh, is going to continue his work. And then on the ship, uh, you can see that the photo of Mark's wife and daughter have been torn in half, and someone has taken the half uh, with his daughter. Huh. Um, and as to where the rest of the story wraps up, um, at the end of the real-life uh, component, they, in like the, the, the meetup at the very end in San Francisco, uh, they they find... A crime scene with Lynch's uh, body. They say um, that again. They find his body. They find a crime scene with Jeremiah Lynch's uh, body. Okay, not just like seven players found a fun event. The eighth group found a corpse. <laughs> no, they find like a fake crime scene with like. A, an old timey detective who like questions them and stuff. That's cool. Um, yeah. Okay, so rip Jeremiah Lynch. Yeah, uh, I think it's implied that Lutwidge also died because they talk about there being a second body that was like taken away. The actor just couldn't make it, so they had to improvise. <laughs> um, and. I think Mark actually gets some audio logs in Bioshock 2 proper. Oh, really? I am pretty sure, yeah. Cool. Yeah, he gets um he gets some audio logs where you find out that he did make it to the lighthouse. He enters Rapture the same way you do in the beginning of the first game. Um he starts looking for the doctor who's like in charge of the little sisters huh i think he yeah he eventually becomes a big daddy and he gets bonded to his daughter 
oh, that's kind of tragic, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then you kill him as a player, I guess. Uh, yeah, apparently you can either avoid him or kill him. Huh. That's very cool, but very depressing, yeah. too. It is. <laughs> Rest in peace, maybe, Mark Meltzer. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's the Bioshock energy. That's the Bioshock energy. All right. Apparently when they when they started the ARG they didn't um intend for Mark to be a character in the game but uh but the the fans liked him so much that they just like wrote a little storyline for him. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I re- I'm reading uh his, his little behind the scenes thing on his wiki page. Cool. Um apparently uh, they were gonna add a achievement for saving his daughter, but they never did. Oh! <laughs> Can you imagine you're playing Bioshock Two? You haven't followed any of this. You just bought the game. You're playing through. You get to the scene. You kill a big robot dude. And then you uh, find this little girl, and you ham and haw, and you have debate for a minute. And you decide, you know what? I'm gonna save her. You hit the save her button. And then you just get an achievement that pops up and it's like, hey, congrats, you solved the ARG. And it's like, come again? (laughs) You did it. You did it. Good work, player. Also, Mark's picture on his wiki page is not how I was picturing him to look. Let me see. Oh, he looks like a Rat Pack wannabe. Yeah. (laughs) I imagined him with, like, long, grimy hair and, like, I don't know, divorced ARG dad guy. <laughs> Not Rat Pack understudy. Yeah, I wasn't expecting him to be so, like, classically handsome. He looks like <laughs> a stock photo model from the 50s. Yeah. I don't like that at all. I'm going to keep imagining him as, like, I don't know, an unstable doctor searching for his daughter. Yeah, I feel like I was just imagining him as, like, Hopper from Stranger Things. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Oh, so that's Bioshock. So that's There's Something Under the Sea. Yeah, that's ARGS, baby. That's ARGS, baby. (laughs) I'm going to put that on it. (laughs) Yeah, I think that should be our new sign-off. There's our new shirt. I don't... I'm gonna, it's, it's not a new sign off. I think that should just be our like that's the game <laughs> that's, that's ours, ours baby. baby hello you beautiful blood sucking babes I'm Sahana and I'm Kat and we're the hosts of Summer Twilight Book Club a podcast where two dumb bitches with social work degrees reread the four horniest books of their teenage years if you're at all curious about any of the following this is the podcast for you does Bella Swan have a car crash fetish yes I am telling you right now the answer is yes does Stephanie Meyer understand healthy relationship boundaries? Has Bella Swan ever had a secure attachment in her life? How has Twilight impacted the societal and my personal conceptions of romance? Why does Stephanie Meyer Osahana and all other brown people reparations? Why is Edward Cullen so into edging? You can find Summer Twilight Book Club at theorangegirls.com or on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you access podcasts to find out. How are we rating this thing? Oh, man. Uh... This, this monster.
How do you feel about the puzzle? The the story. How do you feel about the story, Marn? I actually like the story. It's ex- okay. I will say it's extremely dense, and there's a lot of characters, and there's a lot of stuff that I straight up skipped because it's like not relevant to the plot at all. It's just like flavor. Okay. But I think that it is very in line with how Bioshock gives you like a main story, and then there's like a thousand like little tiny things that you can like go and listen to if you have the time for it that's fair i i don't know if the story is very good but there sure is a lot of it (laughs) which really is how you could describe a lot of video games but i know that i i'm personally not a big fan of the medium i guess the like we hear it all in daily increments typically from like reading letters that people send to you or half of letters that you haven't quite sent to someone else yet uh that's really not my jam um yeah i can i can understand that but like if i was playing in this game at the time i'd be like i get it this is day four of us like we've gotten the fourth day journal entry where nothing's really happened and nothing can be done to solve this next puzzle i'm out I'll be back in twenty days to read your Wikipedia summary. <laughs> yeah, oh. I feel like the I feel like the pace I feel like the pace is a little bit grueling because it did go on for like uh two hundred days. Yeah, like that's fine if you've got. So like I'm I'm we're playing in an ARG at the moment that's hosted on the Orange Groves, uh, hashtag BBNB. Um, and there you get like some days are hectic, but then other days. It's just kind of a waiting period. Um, I feel like that kind of like stop and go pace is fine, but I yeah. could I could not deal with this kind of like trickle pace. No, I I completely agree. And like we've talked about how like it's good to have like do puzzles during the week and then like let your players breathe on the weekends or have something like that where you just have like designated days where they are either working on a really hard puzzle or just like not really doing much and i think that's fine but like you said like the the pace of this arg is kind of like especially grueling because a lot of it is like not even like they're sitting on a puzzle trying to solve it it's like oh we got this far and now we won't have the information to solve it for like another month for 40 days yeah Yeah, like and it's and it's not even like this is huge and complex we need to figure it out it's just that like we're missing basic stuff to solve this and we'll get that trickled to us in about 30 days from now until then we're gonna keep caring about bioshock (laughs) yeah um the i think the chess metaphors are really overdone that's probably because i just finished watching a really bad anime that had chess (laughs) tropes in it basically i just finished code geass it's really bad it's on netflix but i need more mecha content in my life i've never I watched Evangelion. Code it's really bad don't watch it <laughs> um that's my anti-recommendation of the week i watched the whole thing in like four days so you know take that with the grains of salt you need but um i don't know i feel like chess metaphors are really outdone so all the like different pawn stuff is outdated not outdated i feel like is overrated um and if you're doing a chess metaphor make them different pieces yeah 
I I liked the twist uh, that Lutwidge was like every other important character in, in, in the ARG. <laughs> I am a big fan of that one. Yeah, that was a uh... oh boy. So yeah. how, how how do we rate the plot? <laughs> I feel like there's a very good plot in here to span an ARG that goes for like two months. Yeah, I I agree. Unfortunately, this one spans like three years. I don't know how long it actually goes, but good lord. Um, I think it was like roughly a little less than a year. Okay. Uh, I think that it needed some condensing. Um, I liked the plot, but I didn't like its delivery method. So like a, a four out of ten? Yeah, I was going to say I would give it like a five. Yeah. But I'm pretty generous. And that rating scale is on uh, little children in an ancient city under the sea. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what about the puzzles? I mean, there were four of them. <laughs> um, I think the puzzles were actually pretty... They were neat, but I think that they relied a little bit too heavily on... Um, there's a there's a thing in ARGs where you get like you you have a code but you need a key in order to do it. And then you'll sit with the code without the key for yeah. a couple days. And then eventually you'll get the key. And once you get the key, there's still work to be done. You still have to work and figure it <laughs> out. But you couldn't have reasonably solved it until you got that key. And there's a balancing act that you have to do with those kind of puzzles in order to make them stick. Um and I've seen some games where you'll get like two puzzles at the same go- at the same time. One of the puzzles decodes to the thing that needs the key. One of the puzzles decodes to the key itself. And then once you've done that, you've got another puzzle to solve how they go together. Um, those can work really well. But when you've got the kind of puzzles where you're just going to sit and look at a code that needs a key without a key for so long, but then you're also have to going to spend like 30 days before you get the key... That's a problem with puzzle design. And the problem comes in pacing, but it also comes in just the fact that, like, at that point, it's not a puzzle. It's just set dressing that you take down later when you find the key for it. Yeah, my kind of beef with the puzzles is that there's no tangible reward for any of them except the very last one. And, like, all the rest of them is like, oh, congratulations, you solved a puzzle and here's your reward. Another puzzle. Another puzzle. You won't get what you need to solve this for another 40 days. Yeah. So it's you, like, okay, you made the story progress, but like it probably would have progressed whether or not any of anybody solved the puzzle. Like, yeah, pretty much. And it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like there was any like, great, they solved this part, time to trigger and move on to phase two. It was just like yeah. a side thing that happened to exist with the rest of the game. Like I don't yeah. know, it never seemed like Mark was like, now that we've solved the cryptics, we can I don't know take the photos or whatever like it just i don't know which i think which i think is kind of like a side effect of the players not really existing as a presence within this game yeah i'm i'm not a big fan of the this genre of arg um but that's a personal taste thing a lot of people do (laughs) which is why they happen um yeah but i just the lack of agency makes me wonder why we're even solving puzzles no yeah i i agree um yeah so puzzles what do we give this on a metal boxes out of 10 (laughs) 
I'll give it I'll give it another four. The puzzles that existed were challenging and interesting, but I just think that they were presented very poorly. Yeah, I think I would also give it a four. What about replayability? I feel like this is one of the few ARGs that we've talked about that actually like you can go online and look at most of it right now. Yeah, I I will say um I looked at that archive site that you gave me, and I think I linked it in the show notes last time, but now that I'm saying this out loud, I think that I actually forgot to. I definitely meant to. I will include it in this week's show notes, knock on wood. Um, <laughs> but um, it's all there. Um, when I was trying to solve it, quote unquote, I I didn't I didn't stop because I got stuck. I stopped because I didn't want to have nothing to talk about for the episode. Um They've got every day hosted on a website that archives it all, and you can go back and check out literally what did the site look like on, you know, January 2nd. Click a link, here you go. Actually, I think it's spread out by different days, so you couldn't get that specific into it, but... Yeah, um, but I think you can, like, replay the puzzle boxes and stuff, too. I didn't get get far enough into the game to see the puzzle boxes, but I don't know why you wouldn't be able to. I assume you'd be able to, yeah. Yeah. Um, And... Beyond that, um, I linked to the Bioshock wiki last time, and they have a very good write-up of everything that happens. Um, so, yeah, I'd say this one's very replayable. Yeah, I think this might have the highest replayability out of like everything that we've discussed. Yeah, you miss a couple of like slight live-action things that happened, but even those... Because of the lack of player agency in the game itself, those don't necessarily matter to the plot, and the things that happen to you in real life also happen to Mark in the game. So, I feel like this one might be our first 10 out of 10 replayability. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's more on the genre itself than it is on the game itself, but it's all there. It's all replayable. You can go from start to finish for the whole thing. Yeah, I... I, uh... Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's much much more to say. Yeah, 10 out of 10,000 leagues under the sea. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, with that, do we want to get into recommendations? Yes. So what do you got Let's for me this week, Mark? Um, my recommendation is that you should go and listen to Interstitial on the Orange Grows Podcast Network because... Season two just ended, and I'm catching up on it right now, and I'm enjoying it a whole lot. For those listening at home, what is Interstitial, Lauren? Um, Interstitial, Our Hearts Intertwined, is a role-playing game that our very good friend Riley um, wrote. Uh, It's basically based on Kingdom Hearts. Uh, You play all sorts of fictional characters or OCs uh, that have been tossed together into kind of a, a wacky world of going to other properties and solving problems and stuff like that um interstitial season two has a post-apocalyptic john cena sans undertale catwoman uh joe's oc atticus alabaster and sodom the cat from (laughs) sabrina the teenage witch um traveling through space solving problems it's very good i've been listening to it um 
while I'm at the gym and I'm enjoying it very much and I know that it just ended so now is a really good time to catch up. The When I first looked up a description of the show and it said that one of the characters is a post-apocalyptic John Cena cyborg who is trying to escape the evil gas ghost cloud that used to be Vince McMahon. Um, oh, it's so good. It was the funniest character I'd ever heard of in an in any rpg actual play um, it's so good yeah the the game itself is really cool and it's a really cool um actual play podcast yeah listening to the podcast is really making me want to play the game it's yeah it's a i we have uh talked about i don't know if we talked about it on the did we talk about playing a game of uh arg characters on the show um maybe i really want to do a game of interstitial where everyone plays as arg characters <laughs> i've volunteered to play terry nanny on that one yes cool i'm gonna jump over a little bit i'm trying to think of how to segue from interstitial into my recommendation <laughs> uh speaking of putting things together into some kind of strange giant robot and seeing if they stick and work together to accomplish tasks. My recommendation is Hairbrain Schemes game Battletech. Ooh. I don't think that really worked, but it's close. Um, yeah, I have been playing through Battle uh, Battletech recently. Um, I went, I checked it out a little bit ago and didn't like it. And then uh, I was talking with a friend and we were talking about giant robots because I'm hung up on them uh, forever. Um, but I said, I really want to play a game that's like like XCOM, um, where you get like a tactical grid-based battle map, and, you know, turn-based combat. Not, But, um, you know, turn-based combat, and you get to go through and like... But then your your units are like mechs that you have to build and outfit with the stuff that you want. And your pilots, like, have different abilities. So, like, you know, one pilot in one ship has some of the same abilities as that same pilot in another. But the the the, the mechs themselves have different abilities. So, like, you get that cool synergy thing. said, I really wish someone would, would like, make a Gundam game like that. I'd be 100% into that. And they said, you just described Battletech. Um, <laughs> so I gave it another shot, and they were absolutely right. Um, once you get past a pretty slow opening, uh, the game is really cool. It's a very uh, neat turn-based system with a lot of giant robots. That you get to spec out in all sorts of different ways. Um, my brain has been humming. Instead of doing work over the past couple of days, I've just like been dreaming up mech layouts and specs that I can go with. Um, it's all very complex. I thought about trying to explain a turn that I did to my fiance the other day, and I realized it would mean I'd have to explain like four different systems to understand why it was cool that I was able <laughs> to push over a robot. Um, the, the best feeling you'll ever get in a game is when you send your giant robot to step on a tank. Um, it's, oh my God. Yeah. Like it, it feels real good. Um, it's a it's a really cool turn-based strategy game and if you're into that genre and you like giant robots like i do i would definitely recommend checking it out hell yeah oh i just got super mario maker and i'm making levels Ooh, i need to play super mario maker i oh it's so much fun i've been seeing some incredible streams of different levels did you see there was a level based on it follows 
Oh no, I haven't seen that one. Let me look up the code for you. Yes. Um, I intend to get really into making puzzle levels, and I'll probably like post the level codes on my Twitter for people who are interested in them. I've only made one so far. I'm working on another, but it's just a direct clone of Yoshi's Island 1-1. One, one. <laughs> oh, why isn't... I can't find it now. I, I will look for it. Um, yeah, they, people made some incredible stuff. Uh, do you know the game um, Getting Over It with Bennett Foddy? Yes. Someone built a getting over it stage in in oh my god, which like Bennett Foddy himself retweeted it, which is how I found it. But he was like, they took the like design intention of the game, which is that like at any time you can make a mistake and get sent back to like the start. Um, they took that seriously. There's a lot of like moving platforms that like if you miss the platform, it'll just shoot you back across the level. A lot of like springs that if you don't get the timing right, it'll just shoot you back to where you know you started before. Um, oh my god! Really complicated levels like that. People are doing some incredible stuff with the game. Yeah my my problem with Mario Maker is that it um it makes you beat your level to upload it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm not good at video games. <laughs> That's a necessary evil. Have you heard the story about the guy who, um, there's a guy that created a level so hard that he himself can't beat it in Mario Maker 1. Oh my god. Let me, hold on. Google doesn't know what's up with me lately. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to call them Waypoint because I can't, I, I feel weird calling them Vice Gaming. Uh, Patrick Klepik over at Waypoint reported, Mario Maker player has spent 1500 hours trying to beat his own level. Jesus Christ. After more than a after a more than a year and a half of attempt, the appropriately titled uh Trials of Death has become its own kind of trial. I'll include that in the show notes too. Um Yes. But yeah, this guy made a level so complex that he can't do it. And That's... I've looked at he has a trailer for the level. Um It is wild. Oh my god. Um yeah, I've been playing like the the endless Mario thing where it just kind of like throws you levels mm-hmm. um on easy and a lot of those are still too hard for me. <laughs> oh, there's a new BB&B episode up. Oh, is there? <laughs> In that case, we need to wrap this up. Uh, if you want to find us you can do so on twitter uh, you can follow us at argonauts pod on twitter or you can follow us separately i am at ac sherman Wright. i am at corpse survivors you can also email us with any questions uh you can email those to argonauts podcast at gmail.com uh, you can find our site and everyone else on our network on the orangegroves.com uh, and if you want to fund us on patreon uh you can join many others who've done so at patreon.com that's p-u-h-t-r-a-y-i-n.com if you want to make my mistakes or patreon.com slash argonauts pod if you want to make the mistakes of other people yeah um we are we hit our goal to do a q a live stream so we're gonna have to figure that out at some point <laughs>
Um, and our next episode, uh, we'll be talking about Binding of Isaac. Yes, next episode we're going to be talking about Binding of Isaac with a very special guest, uh, Riley Hopkins, the developer of um, the thing you just said. Interstitial. God, I couldn't. I was like, I insomniac. What's the word? Hold on. <laughs> uh, the developer of Interstitial. Um, and one of the co-hosts of Bed Bath and Bionicle here on the Orange Groves Network. Yeah, uh, I think that wraps it up for us. That's Args, baby. That's Args, baby. <laughs> <laughs>